I'm Cindy Temi. I'm Gracie May. And I'm Ola Awaya. And we are... Froby. Froby. Your favourite Afropop podcast. Okay. Season. How are you doing, ladies? Good. Season finale, guys. I know. Episode 20. 20. Mad, it? Episode 20. Mad. It's quarantine. It's just flown by. I know. That's I've, missed I've missed meeting you guys in person, but I've also loved catching up with you guys every week. Every week, yeah. That's the highlight of my week. Oh, and as Same. much as I've missed seeing you guys in person, I don't feel like we've ever stopped talking. Because we're always on the WhatsApp, always in the group chat, whether it's Twitter mm-hmm. or Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like, and then obviously physically speaking to you guys for like an hour, two hours every Saturday. Now it's been good, yeah. man. It's been good vibes. It has been good. Um, obviously, we kick it off with our very fave, our fave of the faves. Um, Twitter timeline, guys. Twitter timeline. Twitter this timeline. week has been. <laughs> oh my days! This hey. week has been another <laughs> mad week. Mad. Everyone's mad. Hmm? Like everyone's mad. Literally. Everyone is mad. But no, everyone's coming mad. out of the woodwork. That's what's happening. That's it's it. the, the nature of people being stuck at home. People are really exposing their true. As in Twitter police, Instagram investigators, they now have a full time job. They have. And also, on on the note of Twitter police, you know Twitter of um, Kandoff, what's it, Katie Hopkins? Yes. Yeah. Coming back in no more. We thank God. What, because, did anyone know what tipped it over? Because she said a yes. lot of wayward things. What was it? So there were many petitions that were starting. Like Rebecca Winter, who's like a UK Afrobeats artist, um, did like another petition. Whether hers was the first or whether it was one of many, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it had like over 10,000 signatures where people were like, she is spewing hate. And like, yeah. you know, it's actually illegal. It's like a hate crime mm-hmm. to incite yeah. hatred verbally. Why yeah. she wasn't canned before, I don't know. Mm-hmm. How Tommy Robinson still has a platform with his... Um, English Defence League or whatever they call themselves. I don't know. But how, he, gone, how he isn't back in prison after essentially inciting everything that happened in terms of the anti-protest, I don't know as well. Anti-protest is not a wife's sister. No, but I know. I'm using, I'm using their own words. Do you know what I mean? But I'm just, I mean it more in terms of the fact that he literally incited that whole thing and then mm-hmm. on the day before said, I'm not coming. Obviously because he <laughs> was going to get sent in jail. Get what? sent back yeah. to jail. Mm-hmm. And right, somehow he's still... He's still right? Yeah, and somehow he's still walking the streets. You incited it. Bro. Is that yeah, not enough? Bro. Yeah. And the fact that all the numbers around it were fabricated, like every single like major news outlet focused on the few black people that went out to counter protest their protest because like know. every Black Lives Matter organization said, no, nah, we're not meeting up this weekend. We're not putting you guys mm-hmm. in harm's yeah. way. Yeah, so yeah. the few people that went out to be like, nah, we're gonna stand our ground. Mm-hmm. It, Sky News, BBC, everybody was focusing on the black people. I was like, how? Yeah. There were literally ten times more white people vandalizing, yeah. peeing on statues. Oh, it was and hitting the police, hitting the police officers, throwing bottles at them. It was actually outrageous, and it was like it was so, like I remember on the day when I was watching it, I remember saying to myself, isn't it really interesting how all of Sky News, BBC News, and everyone basically what they're currently doing is that all of you're seeing the protests with no sound. Did you guys mm-hmm. notice that? It was as though they mm-hmm. didn't want to show us that they would that, that they oh, were chanting. I didn't even clock that method. Yeah, all of them. They were there was no sound on the Saturday when they were actually happening. 
none of them were broadcasting the sound. And I remember thinking to myself, like, why are they not doing that? When you saw all of the videos on Instagram and so on, mm-hmm. the chance were, we're racist and that is how we like it. And yep. all lives matter. Yes. Of course, it's because that's the reason that they I don't forget this, the favourite one. England, England, yeah. England. Like, bro. Yeah, Black Lives Matter is not against England. <laughs> <laughs> no one so came from a country we live in. Like, no. <laughs> but someone did say, I had an interview with Freddie Nwaka this week, and he, he made a valid point that the type of people, because they all look the same, they were pretty much uh, England lads, uh, big belly, pot bellied, um, bald headed, like just the typical, like, no body shaming going on here, but you know, just the typical look of <laughs> that look. <laughs> And, but his reality was like, look, everyone's been cramped up and locked up for about three months, right? There's no mm-hmm. football. He said, guaranteed, if football was on, half of those people wouldn't have turned up that day. So they were he looking for an excuse to get out. You know what, though? I have then, seen it on in, in your excuse to get out, you chanted, you chanted racial slurs. But that's, but that's I mean, them. They that, would do that at a football game. But... It, but that is just them. That's inherent within them, to be honest. Yeah. So. But and I saw it on the timeline that, that someone was like, you know what, we shouldn't simplify the argument. We shouldn't say that everyone that is part of the EDL or BMP or UKIP are these, like, yeah. misinformed, ignorant, yeah. you know, labourers. Like, a lot of people that hold the same views are the elite are the ones in fact most of them are the elite which is why they're trying to perpetuate and maintain the structures because actually if we get equality oh oh let's talk about it i'm about to do a post on him i literally have dissected the words that he said multiple points in time did he like he basically he i just i can't i can't okay Okay, so i'm gonna give the context right he okay, was yeah, having a new interview <laughs> and they were asking, you know, his opinion about everything that's happening. And mm. he said, and I quote, I will only take the nil for my and my wife when I propose. Like, yeah. where did they get the inspiration for kneeling from? Game of Thrones. Kneeling no, yeah, down yeah. seems yeah. like Let's see. So he said, he said, yeah, yeah, and subordination rather than liberation. Liberation. Okay. Now, my main point, take away the fact that he belittled the narrative when he said that I respect Black Lives Matter. You didn't say you were for it. You didn't say you were part of it. You didn't say you, you, didn't say you believed in it. You Can actually you just said you respect it. That, that mm-hmm. is number one. He also said something about the fact that he understands people's sense of frustration. Sense makes it seem like it's something that is perceived, not something that is fact. Racism mm-hmm. is a fact. So mm-hmm. don't, don't belittle the narrative into a feeling, which is mm-hmm. also what Boris Johnson said last week. But then on top of that, this guy said, I don't know. Maybe they got it from somewhere like Game of Thrones. Mate, you are the second most senior person in the country. You are the most powerful person. Your job is foreign affairs. How dare you not know one of the things that was crippling the economy of America? Like, how dare you not know about race relations in America? I think he knew. How dare you be... Yeah, of course he knew. But then you then... And then on top of that, after you've now belittled the narrative of Black Lives Matter, you've essentially said that you don't... you you um, you respect it from afar, but you don't associate with it. You then went and belittled it into saying that we nil, we nil for for a game. And then, but this was the this was this was this was the thing that topped the cake was that in a conversation that was is consistently about equality, you made it about power. And you know when he did that, he made it about power when he said subjugation and subordination because subjugation yeah. basically means the giving away of authority. Yeah. And you then you then emphasize exactly. You then emphasize that. When you said that you would only relinquish power for your queen and for your for your queen is in your country and your wife when you are proposing not on a normal day when you are proposing did you not just make it about power 
That's gaslighting. It's yeah. every, every every single thing you could have done in that sentence, in that interview, you did. And then he then came and said, to clarify, I support the movement. Your mum. <laughs> so still no apology because you literally just came and you, you just you just insulted the whole movement you made you trivialized it and as well as that you're you are the second most powerful person in the country like is that not slander you didn't know what like you're talking about and you talked about it how many people went away thinking it, you were true it, and this is it at the crux of it anyone who didn't ever hear that second statement anyone who was misinformed anyone who was kind of neutral and didn't really know which way to go listening mm. to that interview they'll be like if somebody in power feels this way then maybe i should too exactly. first thing second mm. thing was like I, and I, I say this i think every podcast and it irritates me because i feel like i've said it too many times but if we can't protest peacefully like the weekend before when most people were out on the streets just doing the chance, just having placards, like there was minimal violence um, mm. until, you know, the woman got knocked off her police horse because she ran into a traffic light because <laughs> she was startled, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. If for that weekend they came out and said, you know, 29 police officers were injured, but then when mm. we have the white hooligans that were on the street and whatever name they want to say, doing Nazi salutes, and then they say only six officers were injured, when mm. I'm sure I saw people doing swingers on all that my man was doing swingers in the air yeah, exactly. and, and like, this is it this is it like it all I, 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 that stereotype you know what i also think i also think part of it is that is like it's it's the, the like maybe i don't know like because i hate the word hooligan because personally i feel like the word hooligan is a white version of a thug and it is it's looked at as though it's not that bad because you can be a white thug um when you're talking about football you can chant and you could ruin you can ruin neighborhoods um, when you lose a game, when you win a game, but you're not looked at like a thug. Whereas if we use the word thug, um, when we use, I'm not, and this was one thing that I, 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 for lack of a better word, I commended Preeti Patel and Boris Johnson for doing because they used the same word. They both, they said, no, they called us thugs. They called yeah, them, and thugs. then they called them. The thugs, difference yeah, is clear, though. Yeah. No, then, I'm sorry. Then, you can commend no, them, but I disagree. We were out for a reason. No, we no, no, I know. Equity. They weren't I'm out not, for a reason. I'm not, I'm not saying that we're thugs. I, no way am I saying that the people that were doing what they were doing were thugs. I'm saying, like, there's definitely a difference. Um, but I'm saying that if they had used the word hooligan instead of thugs when they were talking about the EDR protests the week after, mm. I, mm. I would have lost it. Because <laughs> I've, I've already started a petition against Dominic Rad. Um, like as which in, we signed to, yeah he has to apologize because you cannot make a conversation that's about equality again about power. power that is white supremacy that you literally did every single definition of what is going on right now in terms of microaggressions macroaggressions and so on so literally in the night you did every single one in one interview one you've just shown your heart you've shown your should heart. we talk about the trademark yeah. yeah, so that's a bit of badness. So obviously, um, you guys may know that Demetrio Georgias is a, uh, well, they've been, he's been described as a white Brit. I think that's a Greek name, Greek Cypriot yeah. name anyway. He has, from Manchester, has trademarked the phrase Black Lives Matter. Um, I think it has now been revoked, but can we just talk yeah. about the fact that he even trademarked it now in the he first He made the company, he made the company as well. He made the company about it and there were lots of questions in terms of like why didn't we trademark it first and um that was my initial thought but then when you think about a movement you're not that wasn't our intention who owns it yeah exactly it's not our intention and i actually do want to pose the question to you guys would it have made any difference like, well, um, 
it would have been lighter. But if I had, for example, just your average black girl had trademark Black Lives Matter, not for any reason associated as to why Georgia had done, but just to have it protected. Because essentially, my next step was actually to trademark All Lives yeah. Matter. Because <laughs> that would be, and any smart person, the only reason why I haven't done it is because I'm not trying to spend £50 on something I'm not really concerned about. But that £50 could probably be made back. 160 babe. That trademark is 160 for 10 oh, there years. You go. So if I'm yeah. spending 50 I'm certainly not spending 160 But yeah, would you guys trademark? What are your thoughts on this? Because I think it was just, I'll give you mine actually. I just think it was a bit, my first thought was, okay, why didn't we trademark it first? Do you know what I mean? Because we, we often complain about things that, oh, when they do it, I'll give you, you know, the brooms, the African brooms that were being sold for triple the price, um, the Ghana must go bags that were being sold. But I think our mentality, and I don't want to speak for all black people, but I feel like sometimes it's not that we're not smart enough to do these things. We don't actually hold, we actually, I think we see things for what they are. A broom is a broom. Um, and I don't think we ever, no, like 100%, it's a broom. It's a broom that's collected in the dust and things and put together. It's not something that you would ever think of value. I think where there are things that are value, but obviously we can argue with the fact that things like plantain crisps and suya um, chapman drinks, we hadn't done it then. But I feel like there are certain things that we just don't see the need to do what like our white counterparts do because they see, it's almost like they have a, a seventh sense in their mind of ways that they can make the most <laughs> absurd things make money. And I, don't I think, think I take it a us. step further, though. I think yeah. for the community, we've said it on several podcasts, right? Who mm. owns it? Like, who, who actually yeah. owns it? It belongs to the culture. To the, exactly. So it's mm-hmm. offensive if I decide, okay, actually, I want to be the only one that profits from this by trademarking it because yes. actually it doesn't belong to me. The whole point of a trademark is I'm saying that I am the first person to do it in this way. So I own the rights to it. And anybody that wants to use this they should pay me because I own the rights to it. Nobody owns the rights to Black Lives Matter. It was, a, in fact, can we pinpoint the first person that said it? I'm sure if we go through archives, we probably can, but it's a bit like, you know when the girl that created Eyebrows on Fleet, on Fleet she just yeah. said it, right? She said it on a video, it picked up steam, Black Twitter was using it for ages. Then one of these companies trademarked it, slapped it on a bunch of t-shirts, was making money from it, and she didn't see a penny. Because, again, she was just living her authentic life, being creative. Black Twitter made it popular. But at no point did we think, okay, I own this. At least with her, though, we know that she was the first person to say it. With Black Mm. Lives Matter, again, it's a movement. And what? first of all, what's the purpose of you trademarking it? So that when people buy T-shirts, you receive coin? Is that what you're thinking about right now? Mm. Like, of all the things we're fighting for, is making this movement lucrative what you should be focused on? And then secondly, and then I'll shut up, if a mm-hmm. black person did do it, I think I would probably be more supportive. But again, I would ask the same questions. I would post to this white Brit, what trademarking this? Anyone buying a t-shirt that bears the phrase Black Lives Matter should be doing it in support of the movement and proceeds should go towards a fund that is bailing people out or a charity that is helping p- provide equality or, or a, a, a governing body that is going to force the government to stop creating white papers and actually enact some of the recommendations that they put forward through the different papers that have been commissioned like what is the purpose of hoarding this money and saying i have the right to own this but then essentially that would be the point of it and if i was to trademark that would be what i would say i'm doing because equally and i don't know if we want to compare the two but you know you have a lot of organizations like the black lives matter um fundraiser the gofundme pages i've said a number of times to you guys that i as a black person 
you know we talk about we want equality now and i'm telling you i want revenge not do i even want revenge i want compensation <laughs> I found myself up at 3.30 a.m. last night and I'll tell you why. For the last, obviously given the fact that we've had COVID and whatnot and everything else happening in life, as of recent, I have not been able to sleep. And one of the reasons why I'm not able to sleep is because my mind is doing 360. And in that, the one, the only thing I tell you that I end up thinking about is anything to do with race relations. I can only think about things that we stop paying um, slave traders or whatever stuff for our taxes yeah. like five years ago. I can hand on heart tell you the reason why I'm up at these times is because my mind is not at rest. And it's not going to be at rest because we are never going to stop slave and racism, right? The reality is they can do what they want to do, but there's so many things that's happening, even at years of work, even the things that we see on the TV, even Dominic rehabbing, gaslighting. Apologies don't do anything for my mental health right now. And I'm sure a lot of black people will feel the same. The same way they were able to compensate slave owners, they should be able to compensate those that are being affected by this movement, by being affected by everything that happens. Like those that identify themselves as black and are suffering as a result of everything that happens. Whether people want to take it as a light suffering or not, the reality is the funds that are being set up, and I've said this before, what are they doing? Like, where are they? That's just from a point of, I don't even want the money, but I just want to know where are they going? Like we had people like literally, you know. But these... a lot of these pages, not to cut you, sorry. Yeah. Um, um, BLM UK did put out a statement saying, you know, we are looking to provide more transparency that at the moment, yeah. none of the money has been spent yeah. and yeah, they yeah. will consult people like before, as a commission yeah, before, before they, they spend before anything. Yeah. That's and right. with the bail also, funds in the they... states. Sorry, sorry just to add to that. But uh, as well as that, as, um, they also put the statement out and said that GoFundMe shouldn't allow them to take the money out until they do that as well. So, like, And let's not forget, also... GoFundMe is a business and they'll still yeah. be taking their 10% of anything that is raised. That's so crazy. there is that. Um, Should we have a black, can we set up a black version of GoFundMe? But even if we do that, this is the thing, right? Even if we do, we still have to spend money in terms of paying for the domain, building the website. I understand that as a business, a cut needs to be taken. But I think for platforms that are already established that don't have the startup costs because you've already been running for a while, they should lift them for any... Yeah. They should just lift them because most of the GoFundMe I see are for people that can't afford to bury their family members or somebody yeah. needs some kind of treatment that is not available in their country like yeah, you're not planning to make a hundred thousand pounds or however much it is for like yeah right but, but it's still a or like Benny Majinga, how look... much money did they raise for that over 100k right go yeah, find yeah. gonna see 10k of that so i think it would be it's it's, it's unfair for, to say that they should lift it because at the end of the day you only they only charge you if you make money right so it's not like they are expecting no, but then we're, we're talking about it in terms of when it's a when it's a movement like we're not saying lift it in every situation, but in this mm. situation, like an injustice has happened, and now because of that we have to use because of that we have to use um, the um, sorry. Um, so yeah, basically something has been lifted. Sorry, I've completely lost my train of thought. No, it's alright. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, to I was conflicted. Um, I was conflicted because one, if we set up our own one as business owners, we would still want to take a percentage for running costs of the business, whether it's. You know, buying you the website, drop, you keeping can drop it up. the percentage that is the profit, right? And right. So that you're going to so give I, that it would be less than ten percent. Yeah, yeah. So you can give a because most people that do go fund me need the money. They're not doing it for for money's yeah, sake. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought you set up yeah. one for my tripod. What's going on with that? Oh, okay. About that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but sorry. 
<laughs> we'll get you a typhoon. Your birthday's around the corner, right? It literally <laughs> is. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, back to BL, BLM. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, no, sorry. So they said they were going to be transparent with where the funds were going to go. But yeah. I think it also detracts from the actual question. What was the purpose in this guy who was not part... Even if he's a supporter of black people, what was your intention in trademarking it? Can I comment? I haven't commented on it yet. Please, go. <laughs> so in, in, in all honesty, I feel like... I mean... This is the thing. We have no re- reason to think that this guy did it for any any good. And the also, the second point of it is that if you had seen that much backlash, you would have. If you were doing it for good, you would have come out with a statement to say that you were doing it for good. Um, and that that is the difference here. That actually the reality of it is that he could only have been doing it to make money from it. He wasn't trying to keep it secure. He wasn't trying to protect the movement because this the people have been petitioning this for about ten days now, and you haven't said anything. Um, if you were to do a video explaining it, it would have gone viral because people know your name. People, people like to some extent could probably figure out where you lived if you actually associated that business with your house. So like there's there's no way, there's no way that he didn't do it for any other benefit than his own pocket. So go back to Cindy's point in terms of like why did a black person not do it first? Like in all honesty, and it's the same thing that Gracie said, like it's a movement, that's not what we're thinking about. Um, but I in all honesty, I also think that Gracie's point is valid. Like I, I just think I, I don't think anyone feels like they own parts of the culture the broom the chapman and all these things that actually realistically your mum is also teaching you how to make at home how can oh, you now go and sure. say that but it's yours we, we open ourselves the reality is if you're dealing with white counterparts that think differently and that is the reality of what will happen then we're mm. just going to have to be as cutthroat because then we don't we can't complain because it's mm. not that black lives matter cannot be trademarked now because of what's happened i don't know whether they've changed it but i believe there are certain phrases that you can't actually trademark um I understand. So maybe there needs to be a change in the way certain things can be or can't be. You're right. You know what? I agree. Sorry, I've changed my mind. Not changed my mind, but I think you're right. If we go back to the days where websites were just popping up, right? Or even now, people will secure like a Twitter handle Mm. knowing that a celebrity will want to buy it off them in the future. Exactly. People will secure web domains knowing that there's there's profit to be made in the future. Maybe we do need to, I wouldn't even say white counterparts, maybe we just need to be more strategic and say, okay, cool, this is popping for the culture. It's not to say that I'm going to do it to make profit, but actually I want to reserve the right to use it for profit in the future if I want to, just to make sure that we have ownership because that's the one thing that I'm hearing throughout this conversation and actually throughout the whole Black Lives Matter movement, we would have been able to create more equality and equity if we had assets. The reason why we didn't have assets is because we weren't getting loans or we didn't have inherited wealth, blah, blah, blah. All of this is about ownership. And it's the lack of ownership that has either been stolen from us, taken from us or not been afforded to us, which is why we're so many years behind. And actually, Cindy, earlier you said racism will never go away. And I'm praying to God that it might not be in our lifetime because obviously slavery in America, we just um, marked 400 years that slavery started, right? Last year, which is why we had the whole year of return. But I'm hopeful that at least in 100 years, 200 years, that, you know, civil rights movement happens in the 50s and 60s. We're having this revolt now. Hopefully we're pushing the needle forward to a point where actually we're able to generate enough wealth, whether it's generational or what have you, so that we can start empowering each other within the community to not have to lean and if yeah. we say i say every every episode if we close the borders and take whatever 
ramifications they give us. Stop the aid. We don't need it. Take all your companies. That's fine. Let Africa grow as it should without support. We'll find our way. We'll find our feet. It's fine. And, and also that aid, that aid argument, like not, not that you're rubbish, but the, the, the percentage of the aid that they give us is less than the amount that we are paying back based on as all a of the, all, yeah. yeah, as a like literally per country, the amount of money that they give us in aid is a fraction of how much we are giving them back for the fact that they colonized us. Yeah. Like it's it's crazy. And so like even if they've stopped the payments of the slave trade, they haven't stopped they haven't stopped the fact that um that we're still paying laws we're still paying out of our ears due to like imperialistic laws. Like yeah. everyone's obviously lawyers and all of these other um, banks are now coming out saying that they're going to give some of their money to um, like black like black businesses that are like pushing the culture and whatever it is, like they, they're still trying to figure out how they're gonna do it. Barclays is among those that are reviewing it. Barclays is the main reason why the majority of African countries are in debt right now. 100. Like they are because of imperialism. They are the main reason. That's the reason I will never bank with them. Um, and like, this has been something that's known. And right now they're getting away with talking about this as though the only important part of it is slavery. Mate, some countries only got their independence 40 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> some of our own parents are older than that. Like, you know, my, my, my think, grandma didn't even, my grandma was told she was from Sierra Leone. Can you imagine? Wow. That's how, that's how, that's how alive it is. My grandma was told she was from Sierra Leone because that place didn't exist before they drew the map. Yeah. That is how, that's how recent it can be. And I was going to say, if you deep it, how much money do you think they make from, and I say they, as in the Western world, makes from having like BP and SO and all of these oil refineries um, and Shell in Nigeria. How much is that? Even if you, let's just make it an arbitrary figure of a hundred pounds, yeah? Just for analogy's sake, yeah? Mm -hmm. If they're making a hundred pounds, but these same Western countries are only given Nigeria as an example, five pounds, there's a big inequality there. And if it comes to it, I would rather that you keep your five pounds and enable me to make the hundred pounds that belongs to me because you're in my country, in my territory, affecting my um, inhabitants when you have your oil spills and when you're bringing in international contractors. And utilising a law that was enacted at a time that I didn't even know what democracy was. That's actually the fact of it. Like, all of these things that they're using... Ooh, I feel oh, like boy. Africa had democracy bef- before colonialism. And that's one thing that I, I want to stress. We had democracy. It like, existed the- in certain countries. It definitely was um, more... Pro- it, that's the reason why Ghana hasn't had a civil war, because it existed very much so in Ghana. And let's not... And again, you just mentioned the fact that when they were carving up Africa, they did it based on their arbitrary way of this land belongs to me now, this land belongs mm-hmm. to you. They didn't do it according to tribes and people. Yeah. So um, I think it might be unfair to say certain countries didn't have democracy. I think certain peoples or certain tribes maybe mm. were more... Inclined to the idea of it. Yeah, because like with yeah. agriculture, with agricultural, in agricultural lands or nomadic lands, um, you're not going to have a dictator because <laughs> it, it's, not, it's just not the nature of how you generate your wealth. Um, yeah. in, and with people that were more warriors... They would need dictators because you have like a, a leader who who leads the fighting people. I'm trying to make it Western speech, but you know what I mean. Like if you have yeah, a yeah, yeah. if you have a tribe that is more warrior like, then you will have someone that leads the pack. The same way you have the head of an army. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just wanted to jump in. I feel like Africa did have democracy, just not the way Western people it see yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, definitely. Sorry. So when I use the word democracy, I do mean it in terms of the way the West 
have defined it and as a result um, authorised it, <laughs> like, if that's the right word, or just sort of like... Impart how they it defined it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, how and they how they've implemented it. it. It implemented it, essentially, and made everyone else um, live to it. Look and backwards. Exactly, yeah. So definitely in terms of the, the, the notion, I guess the definition of equality, like everyone being having a voice and so on and so forth in terms of democracy, Africa did have it. In terms of this method of it and this legal statute that I'm signing that binds me to X, Y, Z for however many years, in a time in which where I'm basically I've been fighting for my country to just have its own name and not be known as yours, um, like that is the point in time where all of these things, like in terms of the reason why we're still paying so much money, more money back, it's because it's rooted in that time. Okay. You know what I mean? It's rooted in that time in which to some extent, like we were deceived again. <laughs> like, um, like colonialism, decolonialism, and then on top of that imperialism, like the countries that got their independence 60 years ago have really only just transitioned out of that. They've just mm. transitioned out of that phase. Like Ghana definitely, and that's one of the reasons like I respect Ghana so much. And like in terms of what they have done. But I think one thing that people don't always think about when they talk about Ghana is the idea that their country was one of the only ones that was carved up based on its actual perimeters. The Gold Coast is basically Ghana, which means that the Ashanti tribe, who then became the leaders of Ghana, already ruled the way they were told to rule. It's like they, they just, they got lucky that everything was exactly how it should have been. Mm-hmm. And they fought a lot though. Going to um, like... Um uh Almina and all the different castles where you hear about how the Dutch came in and then the English came in and everyone had their turn trying to, to steal. Um peoples were wiped out in their defense of trying to maintain their wealth um in a way where from how I understand it other countries didn't necessarily have the same unity. Um, and again it's never our fault if people weren't coming to pillage our land we would not be forced to be unified, do you know what I mean? But, like but, the, but, the issue was still with them, but yeah, yeah. there was more rampant, um, rampant is not even the word I'm looking for. I watched the video the other day where they were talking about what was happening um, 400 years ago at the point when slavery of West Africa was really starting. Um, and it depicted one of the countries as becoming allies with Portugal because they wanted to have the manpower and the gunpowder and the artillery um, in the middle of a tribal war. And that's how it started. They were able to basically say, okay, we'll ally with Portugal and give them a settlement so that we can win this tribal war. And it ended up happening that Portugal then overthrew them after they won that war and took over the country or the settlement, etc. So I think Ghana, from what I've read, not that you know I'm that well read on all 54 countries in Africa, but from what I know, um, Ghana wasn't in the middle of any civil wars or even tribal wars, which is why they were in a better position to unify and fight against but the white No, it's true, but their history was more so that the Ashante tribe had slowly taken, like, whilst it might not have been within that period in time, the Ashante tribe had An essentially empire. grown and grown and grown to the point in yeah. time where it was now, like, this was just the way of life for the Gold Coast, and then this happened. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? So then, because of that, it's sort of like, people had, people had, um, People had done gone through it and then they were like, yeah, okay, this is the new way of life. And they were comfortable with it. And they were comfortable with that tribe being the ruling tribe, as it were, and all of the laws and sort of common laws that came from that. And then um, colonialization happened, which meant it happened at a point in time where, like you said, the country were unified. 
unlike a lot of the other countries. These weren't countries. That were formed. That were formed, that weren't unified because they didn't speak the same language and so many other things. And I think we just need to, like one of the things someone said to me was that, I remember I had a conversation with someone and they were like, oh yeah, but like, I just don't understand how Africa can be where it is. It's like, mate, like, when you have 400, four, let's, let's just really imagine being the person who was told that you were in charge of that country when, when, like, when the white man left 60 years ago or so. You didn't speak the same language as 400 different sets of people in your country. How long does it even take for that language to just get everywhere it needs to get? Mm. Then, then, then you can maybe start making some laws. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like when everyone can speak, when everyone can communicate, maybe then we could do it. So let's, let's just assume that took 10 years. That means that they now have 50 years. Do you know what I mean? And then you keep, keep peeling back all of the things that will happen. It's like, mate, it, it, isn't, that, it isn't that difficult to understand why it's taken so long. Like language on its own takes however long to, to translate and there's still indigenous people within countries. Yeah. Sorry, this has been a massive aside from. No, no, no. I think it's beautiful because even when I went to <laughs> Egypt, I was like, "What's the what's the national indigenous language of Egypt?" They were like, "We don't know what it sounds like. Mm. All we've known is Arabic because of you know, as much as we had the West African slave trade, there was the East African slave trade. There was the Islam Crusade as well, where um, you know, I'm, it's not a history lesson, but yeah, Egypt don't know what um what their their indigenous language sound like because they haven't spoken it or heard it. Mm. in hundreds of years so yeah, yeah. it's, it's a bit of a madness yeah it is, it is. It really well um well yeah that um pretty much <laughs> covers a lot of the uh, black lives matter topic we had um obviously the trademark um I don't sorry know I quickly said. i want to shout out misha b i want to shout out alexander oh, yeah. burke all the yeah, girls yeah. that have been vocal and in, in letting us know that black lives matter in every sector They've shone yeah. the light on the fact that the entertainment industry have been crazy. People asking you to bleach, people perpetrating the angry black woman trope, mm. people saying that you shouldn't wear braids, people saying don't make that type of music because it won't sell. Like, I just wanted to shout them out because I think it's important for us to do the heavy topics about, you know, how Africa was formed, but also to do equally heavy topics about how black British people are still suffering. Well, I think, I think we age. should talk about that. We've got time. I just, I just, I think it's a bit wild. And you know what I think is wilder? Talisa's Talisa's <laughs> Okay. <laughs> let's talk about it. Cool. Actually, yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's get into it. Um, let's talk about Talisa. I feel like, I feel like the world needs to hear about it. <laughs> um, Gracie, do you want to tell us what's been going on with um, Talisa, Alexandra Burke, Misha B, that whole shebang? Sure thing. So with me, sure B specifically, this was on X Factor UK. You guys know it. It's a singing competition that is basically global. It's another version of American Idol. Do you guys remember? Um, was it Pop Stars? <laughs> uh, Pop Stars: The Rivals before. Do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> with is that what's the name was on? Wasn't Cheryl Cole on something? Cheryl like? Cole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. She's been in the Twitter yeah. timelines this week as well. But we move. Um, but yeah with regards to this specific situation so the clip resurfaced after Misha B spoke her truth and said you know um, I was basically bullied and made out to be a diva and made out to be difficult to work with all around this whole angry black woman stereotype Um, and the clip that resurfaced was Louis Walsh basically saying you know you're super confident but it's virgin on the side of arrogance so you should pull it in like you're overly confident like you're too confident and actually a secondary clip came up of him saying the same exact same to a black guy, like a mixed race guy, mm. racist. Anyway, um, and then and after Sharon the Osbourne asking somebody a white guy if he wants to be black. black, yeah, 
madness. Then um, to listen, followed up um, Louis' comments by saying, you know, um, I'm even happy that you even said that she's arrogant, because backstage, there's been rumours of you being a bully, like, you're moving mad, da 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 um, Gary came to her defence and so did Kelly Rowland basically saying what happens backstage is none of our business. Let's judge her on the three minutes on the stage. And apparently that episode and several others painted her in a way where the industry basically didn't embrace her, didn't want to work with her, thought she was difficult to work with, thought she was a bully. And as if she didn't have enough to deal with being a dark-skinned woman in the industry, like that obviously made it 10 times worse. And we know that she hasn't banged as much as she probably should have. And sorry, in the live, she mentioned that she has gone to therapy because of PTSD. She did have suicidal thoughts. And it all stemmed from, you know, her experience on X Factor, where she felt like she was scapegoated and made to look like the bad one because they wanted to make drama. And Gary, in his autobiography, Gary Barlow, said that there was a lot of fake drama created on the show just so that it brought viewers in. And it seems as if Misha's career was sacrificed for, for, for views. Wow. You know, you know what is really like, yeah, we'll, we'll get on to talking about Talisa, definitely. But I don't know if you guys watched the video of when they were saying that to her. And you just saw like it, it just is so telling. Her body language was so like, you're about to do this on the camera. Do you know what I mean? And she just took it. She stood there. She was nodding, shaking her head and so on and so forth. But you know when you're just you know when someone is literally in the position of being to some extent helpless and they're just watching, they're watching their story being told wrong. It's that like a exactly wow moment. You know that's it, like exactly, wow. that's it. Literally, yeah, it was that. It was, wow, you're really doing this. And I just, I remember watching it and thinking to myself, rah. And I actually have a, like, I reflected on it in terms of when I watched it, when it actually came out and thinking exactly the same thing. Like, you just made her seem like that angry black woman. And the idea that I could have had that feeling watching that 10 years ago, and she's now coming forward 10 years later to say mm. that was her story, I watched it and I knew that that's what she felt like. And now she's coming forward to tell her story and Talisa's trying to dull it. How dare you? Like, so I, I guess because I'm speaking, I'll speak on it. Talisa basically came forward and said that um, she doesn't have a racist bone in her body. There was a lot of drama backstage um, and so on and so forth. She was a very feisty 22 year old and know who she is now is not who she was then, but she's not racist. And maybe what she should have done is not address it on the stage. Um, actually, I don't even know if she said that. I might even be putting that word into her mouth because that is what she should have done. She should not have addressed that on the stage. But she basically just denied the fact that any of it could have been around the fact that she was racist because she has an uncle or a dad that is from Congo. or Not even from, I think he lived there till he was 16. Something like that. Um, and obviously there's been a lot of backlash from that because you might as well have said I've got black friends, which is a microaggression. Like, and I know, I know that in any situation, people can then come and say that, oh, so what can a white person really say in that situation? Um, but I just think, I've said it, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. She at no point in time acknowledged what she did. Like, Talisha should have said, like, sorry, you ruined this girl's career. You should have addressed the whole statement. You can't just go addressing the things that you, you want to make sure you clarify. Like, and I think by saying, sorry, not to cut you, but by saying, oh, I'm 22, you're making it as if, like, I was young, I was immature, I didn't know better. Yeah. But if you're flying that flag of, I've had black friends, I've always been around black friends, I eat, breathe and sleep black culture, oh, then you should have known better. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. also, Misha was 19 at that point. So what are we saying? Like, there was three years between you. You were older than her. You should have known better. Yeah, yeah. And you should have you should have known, like, it, as you, you should have known what that could have done to her career. And also, like, I think... 
we said like in these situations when you're genuinely concerned for someone's behavior if you cared about her you should address it privately and even if you didn't care about her that is never the place to address it do you know what i mean you literally created a narrative and maybe it was right maybe it was wrong but you created a narrative and you put it on the stage for everyone to see and she wasn't able to defend herself you know what I mean? And I think now, the question around how was her actions racist is probably something anyone that isn't familiar with the black trope of the angry black woman will be like, okay, maybe she was just bad mind, maybe she was rude, maybe her comments were misplaced, but how does that accumulate to racism? Ola, actually, let me ask you, why is this racist and not just bad mind? Here is the definition of racism, Gracie, mate. <laughs> so, racism, the belief that all members of each race possess characteristics, beliefs, abilities or qualities specific to that race okay so we won't go into the rest of it so essentially and also another thing to clarify is that the difference between racism and prejudice is that racism has power at that point in time talisa had power she literally ruined this woman's career that is racism okay that's why it's not discrimination that's why it's not prejudice in this situation what she did was perpetuate a narrative of the fact that she is an angry black woman that is a microaggression which i can also get a definition of Come through dictionary.com. Microaggression. Oxford. Yes, yeah. Cambridge. Tell them. Um, so, microaggressions, a statement, action, or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group, such as racial or ethnic minorities. Now, the angry black woman stereotype for anyone that is listening to this that does not know about it is real. It's every single time. Probably every single one of us on this podcast have been told that we are aggressive rather than assertive. I'm sorry that I can speak my mind and it, I'm speaking facts. I studied law. That's the nature of it. No one said I'm aggressive. Because I move my hands when I speak doesn't mean I'm aggressive. No one's coming for you. I'm probably right. more patient than you are. Like, Cindy, in all honesty, I'm, because I've been. Sure they've called you sassy, right? Sassy Cindy. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Sassy. Sa yeah. Uh, sassy. Have I been called sassy? Glamorous, yes, but I mean, I think no, but gla glam. Uh, sorry, Miss Hair, <laughs> of course, you're glamorous. Is it? Of course, you'll take it. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. But I've, yeah, I've, I've seen that in my previous place. I've seen the two people that they focused on were the Eastern European, was the Eastern European lady who had a quite a well, don't say too much, but like, <laughs> it comes, I think, ultimately, <laughs> it comes from a place of it's jealousy. And I think a lot of um, racism in the workplace comes from a place of jealousy. It comes from a place of, oh, how are you able to do that? Oh, you're always changing your hair. Oh, this, this and that. And it's like, you can do it yourself if you just applied your skills. Um, <laughs> no, need to, no need to focus on... It, it, and it is, like, that whole being overconfident, it's like, they don't the issue with black people i find it's not an issue with us is that we go for what we want if we don't mm. like something we are most likely more than likely going to address that issue however mm. the thing is i found in certain situations is that when they don't like something they mumble under their breath now the problem is when mm. you mumble under your breath no one can hear you complaining and that is why you get irate within yourself and therefore the only way of you doing that, because you don't know how to express your thoughts and your opinions to other people, you take it out on the black people that can do so. So therefore, somebody being overconfident is because I you... I feel like you've even gone far. Jealousy, yes, I agree. Yes. Xenophobic, maybe. But I actually think that it's more a thing of... Um, and how do I say this without coming across crazy? But like... <laughs> 
at what point would you ever criticize someone for being too confident? Like a normal person would get praised for that. Do you know what I mean? Would like, a normal I feel like person it comes or from... a man? Because a man would probably get praised for that. Yeah, but I, I even think it comes from a, a a a an inherent belief that we are constantly supposed to be subdued, yeah, meek, for sure. mild, grateful to be here. Yeah. So that anytime mm. we even show a flex that is like, actually, I'm not just going to be tolerated. I want to be celebrated. It's like, actually... That's not your role. That's not your. That role. is a word. That, you know, that, is, but that's the that is a word, Gracie. Come through. Even um, Oprah Winfrey did a. She did a. She went into the town. There's a place in America that she went to. She conducted an interview on a place where no black person has ever grown up there for I think 75 years. And one of the general comments from the audience were that they don't mind the average black person that doesn't say anything, that doesn't actually do anything, that keeps yeah, themselves. But once you speak up. Once you can be heard, once you are visible, that is where their problem is. And the reality is, when you think, because every day, every week I've asked you guys, why do they not like us? Why do you not like us? What is the problem? And even comments made by Dominic Rehab, or whatever his name is, Rehab, don't care. It's evident that their issue, their concern is being overpowered. Mm. Talkless of even being equal. They are concerned that there's a level of overpowerment that might come from that. And that is what they're and afraid you're right. of. Any time they say, oh, they're flooding in there, they're crushing the borders. You know, mm. before we know it, there's going to be more Muslims here. There's going to be more Blacks here than us. And okay. so, if there was... And, what... and those stats are just so inaccurate. They're 3% of the country is Black. 3%. Mate, listen, the Where are we going to come is, from? If we're really... <laughs> no one wants to be labelled a racist. You know, I'll tell you why, because... The most racist of people will go and eat curry food. They're consuming phones made in China. They're sitting on chairs made in Jeez, X, Y, and Z. You're preaching. If you, you know, there's more curry every... shops in the UK than fish and chip bars. There are. And that's <laughs> not because, oh, that fish and chip bars are going into, like, recession or whatever. It's because there's an appetite for people to eat curry, so more shops are yeah. popping up. With food and with there's o- And only, only 13% of the BAME category... No, is that 13, 17% of the BAME... No. 13% of the BAME category are made up of Asians. I just want to clarify that. So there are still more whites than there are Asians. And through that stat, you just told us there's more curry shops than there are fish and chips. Fish and chip shops. They don't Mad. realize the impact. <laughs> this is the problem because to, in order to acknowledge your racist, would have to be to actually acknowledge that some of the things that you consume or that you're part of could not be done without your people alone like with other without other people and just based on in fact when your prince came and said come and pick strawberries and nobody came that should alone show you that you lot can't do everything there is beauty in migration and immigration if you're chucking everybody out of here tell everyone in benedorm to come back how about that? That's the real, and they buy houses in Spain. Like obviously, they're Tell still, still white. Guys, back we're going off. We're talking about Talisa. Sorry. Okay, we are talking about. Okay, to be fair, but like, just to say, like even in back in the day when um, black nurses were the ones feeding their children. When mm. you think about, it, if you're really racist, you don't. I wouldn't. If I'm racist, I don't want any of another kind touching my child putting their breast in my child's thing so the reality is when you really think about what the problem is it really is down to this overpowerment that's what i think i think is that they can they want to be able to use you when it's good for them but for yeah. you to have your own opinion nah, it's another story but as for I talisa mean, i mean i've expressed I, mean, so- <laughs> tulip. as for tulip um yeah i think one of the questions i would have like 
what kind of apology would have been appropriate? Because at the end of the day, I was saying that, look, I've dealt with situations where we we can say that we don't know Misha B was X, Y, and Z, right? Based on, I just feel like the way it was addressed, the way that they handled it, gave an example of, you know, work environments when it comes to appraisals. They will wait till the time you need to be appraised and tell you that you didn't meet those expectations. When, to be honest, Talicia had ample time to tell Misha B that she was bullying her contestant, not in the midst of hundreds and thousands of people watching it on TV. She used her power and she wanted to humiliate her. As a result of that, 10 years later, Misha B suffered mass consequences in terms of her career, PTSD, Mm. therapy, et cetera, et cetera. What I want to know is if somebody did want to, with two platforms to this, is the fact that we know she shouldn't have done it live on air. It's not to say that black people cannot be corrected by the opposite race, because we're not all angels, for example. Um, But the fact of the matter is, in terms of how we are deemed, it's like any expression for us could never be what our white counterparts can get away with. We necessarily can't get away with, because like we say, we're always meant to be put in our little bubble and not to exceed from that bubble. But what I want to know is what could have Talicia said that would have won. I love that you keep calling her Talisa. Talisa. Sorry. What could have Talisa said to either one make her apology justify? Because what I want to know from you guys is whether you genuinely believe that she's racist, still is then yes, or still is now. Or what could have uh, an apology looked like in terms of how she would have addressed what was said and the claims made against her? I'll go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I said this before that like even though it seems as though there is a perceived scale of racist in terms of the least racist to the most racist racist is racist so the only thing that the only thing Seven. that should thank you the only thing that should happen and I think you might have alluded to this earlier um Cindy is that as a result of your actions whether or not you did it knowingly or unknowingly there should be different like I guess reprimands I guess could be the word there should be different levels of how you sort of feel or are um, judged based on what you do that's Mm -hmm. one and also as well as that based on um yeah how overt it is like all of these things should be taken into account but the reality of it is that racism is not a subjective term so she was racist in that point in time she she Misha B was acting a certain a a type of way and so rather than just addressing it in that situation the way she should have, as you then, the, the thing that made that racism was that she propelled and that, like at this point in time, you did not have any conversations with her to try and make sure that she wasn't this person. You just heard, overheard and so on, taken it to a public forum. And lauded and it. This, and lauded it. You've defined her as the stereotype. That is why it's racist, because you have no grounds. On what grounds are the people saying something? You have now labelled her as a stereotype. And the stereotype itself is a racist stereotype. So there's no way you can say she's not racist. Now, what you can say is that she, what she should have said, like, or what she, we could say is that maybe she's not racist now. She said that she's changed. She's not the same person she was. And in, like, if she was to do that now, she wouldn't have um, done that on the stage, potentially, right? Okay, but you haven't actually addressed the fact that what you said was racist. Do you know what I mean? She never apologised for that. What she did was apologise for the fact that she was a bolsey 22-year-old and she's grown now. You never apologise for what Misha B is now going through as a result of your comments. Like, that, that but is... what if that she's is still the... racist? What if she knows she's still well, we racist? Well, we wouldn't know. We wouldn't know that. And okay, she, but she said you... with her chest um, that I don't have a racist bone in my body. But to me, what I would have expected from that apology is for you to acknowledge that the thing that you did in that instant was and could be construed as racist. And you're sitting there listening 
learning, reflecting, and you're gonna you're gonna work to be better. Because no one's saying that you're racist forever. But what you did at that point in time was definitely racist. And I think to answer the second question with regards to um like what could have been better about her apology, like do apologies matter? Um, what would have been acceptable? I feel like you know, citing that your dad was born in Congo is a deflection. Mm-hmm. Citing that you were 22 at the time, again, you know, speaks to immaturity. It's a deflection. You mm-hmm. should have just sat in the apology and been like wholeheartedly, I'm sorry, I've changed my ways. It's not how, even if that's how I thought then, it's not how I think now. Like, stop even the if. deflection. Yeah, yeah because, and, and you know what? The reason why it's even if is because in that moment, Again, with the definition of racism that we've spoken about and the definitions of microaggression that we've spoken about, in that moment, you were racist, whether you were doing it um, knowingly or unknowingly, right? Because you can offend people knowingly or or unknowingly. There's lots of things you can do knowingly or unknowingly. So even if in that moment it was done unknowingly, in retrospect, you can say, I understand that what I did was racist. I own it. And moving forward, I'm going to be doing X, Y, Z to tackle my unconscious or conscious bias. That is how you apologise. You own the issue and you say what the solution is going to be going forward. Go ahead. The only thing I would add as well is that if in any situation she really felt as though when she did that, maybe there are grounds because we don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, fair enough, we've heard Misha B-side in terms of all of the microaggressions that got her to the stage where she did lash out at that point in time, but no one corrected the girl had who had made her lash out. We don't know how much people knew. So let's say Talisa, um, like maybe she, maybe Misha B is aggressive. Like maybe that is a justifiable thing. Like what you should also say, being someone that is so, um, so apparently, like as you said, that you live, breathe, eat, understand, are incubated within black culture, culture. What I would expect from you in that situation is that you could also say with your chest, you understand because you understand racism, how this could be perceived as racist. But I'm telling you now that in that situation, there was lots going on and I'm not racist. If you had said that you understand how it could be perceived, that would even have been better. But what you did was dismiss it. You just said, it's not possible. It's not, mm. it's not possible. And also my dad's from Congo. Isn't, isn't that mad? <laughs> like, you, you, everything you said is null and void as soon as you chuck that in. Own it, own it. Because she didn't even address the whole video. Misha B said so many other things. She came to address one thing without even giving us any facts to prove it. She just said, no, not true. And here's my, here's, here's my point of reference. My dad, can you come in the camera, please? Like, what is that? <laughs> Although I, I just feel like there's a certain level of privilege that comes from um, not having to look past the lip service. Because I don't understand why no one else is sitting there dissecting the words of Dominic Rapp. Because they don't have to. They they hear a sense of frustration and go, yeah, yeah. Without deep in that's, that, that's where it is. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Without deep in like, you know, English isn't our language, it's yours. Like a sense <laughs> they, of frustration yeah. is a that's an insult, fam. That's an insult. That is a that's a serious indirect. <laughs> no, We're sending shots. We're sending shots. <laughs> it's mad. <clears throat> this world. We've suffered, you know. Um, but yeah, no, it is. Let us know your thoughts, guys. Um, what are your opinions of what has happened? Obviously, we're looking at the time, the, the place in which she said what she said, her weak ass apologies. 
<laughs> and um, the impact it has on people. And if you've had any experiences, share them below. Let us know your thoughts and opinions. Also, in addition, if you guys are watching on YouTube, make sure you check out on all, all the social platforms. If you guys are listening on those social platforms, such as SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, um, Mixcloud, Spotify, 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 Spotify. Um, yeah. <laughs> And also make sure you like, share, subscribe, and share your views. Thank you guys for joining us on our season finale, episode 20. And we'll catch Ooh. you next season. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye, baby. Bye.